A widow, about to lose her sons to a debtor, was desperate for the prophet's help. Her last possession was a jar of olive oil. Elisha told her to collect as many jars as she could. Then, God did more than she could imagine. Get ready to be blessed as we see God's ridiculous provision. <laughs> well, good morning. Welcome to Orchard Church. I must have the wrong time on my phone because I could have swore it said 8 o'clock, but this looks like a 9.30 or 11 service. Can we give it up for the 8 o'clock service? Man, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much. I know many of you guys made a decision this weekend. You made a sacrifice to say, I'm going to start coming to the 8 o'clock service until we get our building built to free up seats for people that need Jesus in the 930 and 11. And that's why we're doing this. Amen. So thank you for being here today. This is an incredible uh, group. And you know, I think for all of you guys making the special effort to be here at the 8 a.m. service, I think you deserve something special that the 930 and 11 aren't going to get. Don't you think you deserve that this morning? So we're, we're going to uh, give you an opportunity. I wish we could have done this for everybody. We're going to try and do this periodically for the 8 o'clock service. And we're going to try and do some things where everybody gets something. But you got a ticket when you came in this morning. So take out your ticket right now. And we're going to draw. Anybody like Starbucks? We've got some Starbucks gift certificates. $10 gift certificates to Starbucks. And I'll buy you at least one Vente drink. So um, get out your tickets, and Gary and Marcial or somebody back there is going to help me out. So if you uh, get your number called, just raise your hand. We'll find you real quick. Just a way of us saying thank you for making the special effort to be here at the 8 o'clock service. Now, we'll see how much God is in what we're doing, because those that normally come to the 8 o'clock really are the ones that probably should win, who've been doing this for like the last year. But we'll see. Okay, four, two, zero. How many are winners so far? All right, all right. Okay, here's the last three. Five, six, one. Five, six, one. Last three. Five, six, one. Way up there. Way up there. Gary, you're going to have to run. So Josh is going to help us out. Okay, here's another one. All right, get your tickets. Here we go. Four, two, zero. Five, two, six. Five, two, six. Five, two, six. Where are we at? Got it? Raise your hand nice and high. They'll find you. We got about five of these, all right? Here's another one. Four, two, zero. Four, nine. Nine, four nine nine over here, four nine nine. All right, I think we got two more to go. Two more to go. All right, here's another one. Four two zero two nine seven two nine seven. Sue two nine seven. All right, I think we got one more. One more. One more. All right, here we go. Four two zero five six six five six six. Right there, Bob. All right, give these guys a hand, all of our winners this morning. All right. If you did not get chosen, I apologize. We're going to keep trying to do this. Um, feel free to take an orchard pen on your way out as a way of saying thank you. Even though some of you ladies have 30 already in your purse. Take out your Bibles this morning, your mobile devices, and turn to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, we're continuing our series in Elisha, a tale of ridiculous faith. Um, we are excited at Orchard because we're getting ready to celebrate our 10th anniversary. You guys excited about that? 10th anniversary. Can't believe it. And it's going to be on September 20th. We're going to have one unified service. First time we've been able to all be together as a church in about five, six years. And so it's going to be at the Prairie 
Riverview High School football stadium. We're starting the service at 10.30, but we're starting the celebration about 9 o'clock. So from 9 to 10.30, show up early, meet people, greet people, fellowship. We're going to have Starbucks coffee for everybody. We're going to have Krispy Kreme donuts. Can I get a what what on that for everybody? We're going to have jump houses for the kids. So come early. Plan to come early that day. Get a good parking spot. And the service will start at 1030 as we have a big day of celebration. So as we continue our series in Elisha Day, week three, A Tale of Ridiculous Faith. And in first week of this series, we talked about burning some plows, having a plow burning faith. Last week, Gary did a great job of the message. We talked about digging some ditches in faith. Well, today we're going to grab some jars together. Let me ask you by a show of hands this morning. How many of you guys have ever felt a little overwhelmed, a little overwhelmed, a little stressed out, maybe at the end of your rope. Some of you maybe had that kind of week. Well, I, I really trust and believe that God's word is going to speak to all of us today, but particularly to those who maybe are feeling that way right now or have felt that way. You've been kind of doing life on empty. You've been a little zapped of your, your energy. Maybe you're a little low on faith. Hopefully when you leave today, your faith is going to be built and it's going to be strengthened. I know just this week, I talked to several people that just this last week in our church, People that are going through difficult times, people that are hurting, people that feel a little bit stressed and overwhelmed. There's one lady in our church, uh, a dear family, her husband um, got stage four cancer uh, about a year ago. And I talked to her this week and they called hospice in and he was in his very last days of life. I got to go over there, pray with them, Gary and I, um, our, our care pastor, and, and we ministered to them. And then he went home to be with the Lord. I believe it was on a Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday night this week. And so we were praying for that family. I, I talked to a couple last week um, that, man, they're doing everything to just keep their marriage together. And God has done some amazing things. But don't we all know that whenever God is doing something great, our enemy is trying to mess it up. Amen. And they said, man, it seems like the harder we try, the more Satan and our enemy just tries to beat us down. And I prayed with them and prayed for them, encouraged them that, you know, uh, the enemy's not messing with you because you're doing something wrong. It's because you're doing something right. I talked to another family. They said, you know, we, this is the year we really want to get a handle on our finances and get out of debt, you know, and be good stewards of what God has blessed us with and be tithers. But it seems like every time we think we're getting ahead, then the enemy throws something our way and we take a step, you know, one step forward and two steps back. And I prayed with that family. Um, another guy this week uh, texted me, a, a dear friend of mine in our church. I discipled him and he said, man, our, my, our son is extremely ill. Um, they can't figure out what is going on. They've run all kinds of tests. We're fearing that it could be something really serious. A lot of people just going through difficulties. But at times we can all feel that way where it's like, man, we just can't catch a break. And we're, we feel overwhelmed and empty and helpless and hopeless. But what we're going to see today in this story in 2 Kings 4, I hope will bring hope and faith to all of us today. Encourage all of us because when we know Jesus Christ, we are not hopeless. Amen? There's always hope. There's always strength. There's always faith. And this is what we see in this story. Let's begin in 2 Kings chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 and get the context. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, so her husband was a prophet, cried out to Elisha. And that's who we're talking about in this series, Elisha the prophet, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be his slaves. And so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but just this little jar of oil. And what we're going to see is God is going to provide this ridiculous provision through this widow's ridiculous faith today. 
Now let me give you a little backstory of these two verses. We don't really know for sure who this widow is. The Bible doesn't give us her name. Jewish tradition, um, a lot of them believe that this might have been the wife of the prophet Obadiah who was living during the time of Elisha. And Obadiah supported about 50 other understudy prophets. And so it was not uncommon uh, for a prophet to be hurting financially because the prophet was always helping other prophets. They were always in trouble. They were persecuted. They were on the run a lot. And so this this lady's husband who was a prophet dies and he leaves a lot of debt and a lot of bills and in that culture if if she couldn't pay this debt they could come and take her two sons and they would be slaves and servants until the debt was paid off in this culture so you've got this grieving widow she's lost her husband and now she may possibly lose her two sons and she's not employable in this culture the only way a woman could be employed was in a profession that most women didn't want to be in if you know what I mean And so humanly speaking, she's lost all hope. I mean, this is a major problem. If you would agree, say yes. It's a major problem that this lady is is dealing with and she needs God's provision. Now, when I read a story like this and I see this kind of major problem, it reminds me not to get so stressed out about some of the more minor problems in life. You know, some of the things that freak us out that we think are major that are really minor compared to this. You know, like whenever you ask Siri a question and she gives you the wrong answer. I mean, doesn't that just blow your whole day? Uh, The other day, I was wanting to call Bass Pro Shops and I'd ordered something and I wanted to see if it was in. And so I said, Siri, um, call Bass Pro. And she goes, here is the number for 20 music stores. I'm like, okay, she missed her. I did it again. Call Bass Pro pro shops here are 20 great music stores in your area I'm like why is she and then I realized she's understanding bass pro not bass pro and man about ruined my entire day you know or or whenever you try to use the GPS and it takes you to the wrong place again I mean that can be devastating or you go to Starbucks and they don't get your drink just right Can, can we all agree those are entry level problems you know, or, or you know, you, here's, here's one that bothers a lot of people. You only got seven likes on your recent Instagram selfie. You know, and you're really bummed that somebody didn't put hashtag you're so sexy. You know, and that really just becomes a major problem. You know, maybe if I would have posed like this, you know, or done the duck face, you know, maybe it would have been, been better. I mean, these are, these are minor problems compared to what this widow is facing. facing. She doesn't have entry-level problems. She's got graduate-level problems. They're about to take her, her boys. And that may be true of some of you here today as, as well. Maybe your marriage is going through difficulties. Uh, maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you're, you're going, man, we're on the brink of bankruptcy. Uh, maybe you've got the bad news about yourself or someone in your family that there's a serious health problem. There's the C word, cancer. May, maybe uh, your kids... You know, as they're getting into their teen years, or maybe they've graduated, now they're making decisions that are scaring you to death, and they're breaking your heart, and they're going down the wrong path. I really believe today's passage and message will speak to us about God's provision. What do you do when you don't have what you really want? And I hope you'll take some notes this morning. What do you do when you don't have what you really want and you're facing desperate times? Here's our key thought this morning. It's in your notes. I hope you'll write this down. When you don't have what you really want, we're going to learn today that God is what you really need. Amen? Let's say that together. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. We're going to learn this in this story. I mean, notice how Elisha responds to this widow who's in desperate times. He He doesn't say... Well, it's not my problem, you know. Sucks to be you, sorry. He he doesn't say this when we hear a lot. Well, you know what? I'm going to be thinking about you. 
You go, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just thinking about you. What, what does that do? You know, pray for me. Don't just think about me. Notice what he says in verse 2. Look at it. So Elisha said to her, let's say it together. What shall I do for you? She, he says, what shall I do for you? What's he, what's he asking? How can I help? You want to be a world changer? Go through life that way. You know, in your family, um, in your neighborhood, people in the church, when somebody is hurting and, it, and, they're, and they're facing desperate times, ask that question, what can I do for you? How can I pray for you? How can I be an encouragement for you? If we all went around that way every day, do you think our world might be a little bit better? You know, what can I do for you? How can I help? And then he goes on in, in verse 2, and he says, uh, tell me, what do you have in the house? Now he says, I want to focus not on what you don't have, but I want us to focus on what you do have. What do, how can I help? And let me ask you this question. What do you have in your house? You see, because when we're going through desperate times and, and, and difficult times, our enemy loves to get us to focus on everything we don't have instead of the blessings of God that we do have. Amen? And that's what's happening here. He's like, what do you have in your house? And then notice how she responds. The enemy is beating her down. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but just this jar of oil. Nothing in the house. She can't see what she has. She can only see what she doesn't have. And, and you know, you talk to people sometimes, you know, maybe a single lady. You know, until I have a husband, I'm never going to be satisfied and fulfilled. You know, until I have a spouse, I have a wife. Until we have more money. We never seem to have enough money. You know, until we have a nicer house. You know, we, Pastor Doug, we love to host a small group. You know, to, so people can connect here at Orchard Church. We'd love to have people at our house, but our house just isn't nice enough because we all know that the Holy Spirit cannot work in a small group unless you have Italian leather furniture. Holy Spirit just cannot work among meager means. But it's, it's easy sometimes to look at what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. You know, uh, have you ever known a lady that she'll go into her closet and, and she'll, she'll, she'll start touching every piece of clothing and looking through it? And then she'll get to the end and help me out. She'll say, I have nothing to wear. You can clothe an entire village with your closet. But you have nothing to wear. So when we're struggling emotionally, it's easy to focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on the blessings of God and what we do have. And that's what's going on with this widow. So what do you do when you don't have much? She didn't have much. Just a small jar of oil. What do you do? I want to give us two simple but very practical principles to talk about today. What do you do when you don't have much and you need God to provide in a desperate, difficult situation? First one is this. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. We've got to have enough faith to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. And that's exactly what he says here. He says, what do you have in the house? And she says, I have nothing in the house. Oh, well, I just have this one little thing. I have this one little jar of oil. Now you're thinking, well, what's a, a little jar of oil? What good is that when you're in debt and they're about to take your two sons to pay off the debt? Well, in this culture, oil, olive oil was very valuable. And it was used for a lot of different things. You could cook with the oil. You could put it in a lamp and, and you could burn the lamp and bring light to the house. It was used for medicinal purposes. It was used as a moisturizer on the face. They didn't have, you know, Bath and Body Works back then and Mary Kay and Avon and things like that. Um, it was used to put on leather to make it more pliable. It was used in religious services to anoint people with oil. So it was actually very valuable. But the problem was she just had this one jar. She just had a little bit, some of the other translations just say she had just this one jar of oil. Well, Orchard Church, I hope you hear this loud and clear. I am so glad that we have a God 
that can do a lot with a little. We have a God, when we show our faith and ridiculous faith, who can do a lot with a little. And we see this throughout the scriptures, don't we? Not just in this story, but in other stories. Remember when Jesus one day is preaching to this multitude of people and it's getting late in the day and people haven't had anything to eat and the disciples come up to Jesus and say, listen, we need to send these people home. We need to send them into the village to buy food because they don't have any food. And there's thousands of people here. We know there was at least 5,000 men, which means there was probably 5,000 women and 20,000 kids. And they said, Jesus said, will you feed them? And the disciples are like, what? How are we going to feed him? We don't have any food here. And he goes, what do you have? And there was this one little boy walking by, you know, with his lunch. And he had five loaves and two fish. If you remember the story, say yes. And they said, this is all we got. There's no way this little bit of food is going to feed thousands of people. And Jesus said, feed them. Sit them down and feed them. And God did a lot with a little and fed thousands of people. Do you remember the story of a little shepherd boy named David? And when the children of Israel were, were, happened to fight against the Philistines and they had this giant named Goliath and all of the adult men were scared to death of Goliath and they thought there's no way we can beat Goliath and this one little shepherd boy comes out of the crowd and he's like, I'll take him on. And you can imagine them laughing at David and they're like, there's no way that you, this little shepherd boy, can beat this huge giant Goliath. And David said, you know what? I don't have much. I just got a little. I've got a slingshot and I got a little stone. And you guys think he's too big uh, to take down, but I think he's too big to miss. Everybody duck, because here it comes. And he slayed Goliath and God did a lot with a little. Jesus said, if we just have a little faith. I know we're talking about ridiculous faith, but it starts with just a little faith. Jesus said, if you just have a little faith the size of a mustard seed, which is one of the smallest seeds, he said, you can move mountains. I remember the story of Moses. And God came to Moses at the burning bush, and he said, you're going to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, and I'm going to do all these miracles. And Moses was like, I don't have anything. I can't speak. God, I don't know what you're talking about. And remember, God asked Moses a question. And he didn't ask him, what do you want? He didn't ask him, what do you need? He asked him, what do you have in your hand? You remember this? He said, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And he's like, a shepherd's staff. It's just this rod. And he said, throw it down. And when he threw it down, it became a serpent. He said, now pick it back up again. And it went back to a rod. And he said, now this is no longer the rod of Moses. This is the rod of God. And with that rod, Moses did all these miracles. He, he turned the Nile into blood. He parted the Red Sea because God can do a lot with a little. And God loves to do a lot with a little because then God gets the credit. As we show ridiculous faith, he shows his ridiculous faithfulness. And we've got to learn, church, all of us to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. I remember when... We first started Orchard Church and we moved here and we didn't know anybody. We didn't know where we were going to meet. And we still owned a house in, in Pueblo and we, and we hadn't had it sold. But we knew God was calling us here. And we said, you know what? We don't have much. We don't even have our house sold. We don't even know where we're going to live in Denver. We don't know where this church is going to meet. We don't know where these people are that we're going to reach. But we had a little. We had our lives and our willingness to obey God. And we stepped out in faith. And can we all agree 10 years later, God has done a lot with a little. He's done a whole lot with a little. We started out. We said, well, God, we need a place to meet. And he said, well, you got an apartment. You got a living room. You know, there's not that many of you anyway. Start inviting people. And so we saw God do a lot with a little. And we started with an apartment. And, and then we were like, well, then we started to outgrow that. And we're like, well, God, 
we, we can't fit in here anymore. And then they had a, a clubhouse at the apartment complex. And I had noticed that there were parties in, on Friday night and Saturday night that people would rent it out for birthday parties. So I thought, well, they're willing to rent it out. And so we didn't have much money at that time as a church. I mean, we were just getting started. There was about 20 of us at that point. And so God said, go now and talk to the manager. And I went and talked to the manager and said, hey, would you be willing to rent out the clubhouse on Sunday mornings? And she looked at me kind of funny and said, Sunday mornings? And I go, yeah, is it ever, is it available? She goes, yeah, it's always available on Sunday mornings. Nobody wants it on Sunday morning. What do you want it for? And I said, well, we, we're starting a church here and uh, we've outgrown our apartment. And so if we could rent this. And she goes, it's a church? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, well, then you guys can have it for free. Do you know that Orchard Church met for eight months rent-free at that apartment complex. I think we have a picture. This is our group. That was our group. That's where Orchard Church started in a clubhouse of an apartment complex. And then there was a point, and, and I mean, we were able to save so much money for eight months. We didn't have to pay a dime. And then we outgrew that and we're like, okay, God, it's not a want now. It's a need now. And then God allowed us to move across the street into the rec center. And then finally, in January of 2007, we were able to move into Prairie View High School with about 80, 90 people, including kids, and thought, how in the world are we ever going to fill this place? And God said, oh, you're not, but I am. <laughs> And I'm going to do a lot with a little. And we were able to buy 38 acres of land next door because of all those years of God not giving us, you know, what we wanted, but giving us what we needed at the right time and the right place and being patient. We've got to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have because our God can do a whole lot with a little. And now God is giving us. You know, I remember when we had one service and then we finally thought it would never happen. We outgrew one service. And we're like, well, now we need a place. And God's like, no, just start another service. Just start another service. Until we got to the point where now God is giving us what we need. And, and I know some of you that have heard about the building and, and all of you are going to see the building for the first time on our 10th anniversary. I hope you guys are excited about that. You're going to see what it's going to look like. You're going to see the floor plan and all of that. But um, some of you that have seen it, we're going to be able to go from three services down to two services and yet be able to double our capacity of outreach. How exciting. And we don't have to set up at 6 a.m. and tear down after church. But I know some of you have already said, well, we're, we're going to outgrow that the way Orchard Church is growing. And then are we going to add on to that building? Listen, we're not building what we want. We're building what we need so we can continue to reach more people for Christ. But I'm glad that we might outgrow the building. And you know what's going to force us to do? Not just add more services. I'm not saying we won't do that. But it's going to force us to start other churches, which is what Orchard Church is all about. It's never been to be a mega church and just get as many people in one building. It's to not, we don't want Orchard Church to be known for its seating capacity. We want Orchard Church to be known for its sending capacity. As we start other churches and we reach other people for Christ in communities around the front range. So I hope this will speak to some of you today. That we've got to learn to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have. Some of you may feel like, you know, I, I, I'd like to serve at Orchard Church. I'd like to be more involved, but I'm not good up front. You know, I can't speak in front of people like, like you do, Pastor Doug. I, I'm not musical. I don't play an instrument. I, I can't sing. Can you, can you help in a kid's class? Can you just love on kids? You know, can you take them to the bathroom if they need to go to the bathroom? I mean, can you just be there to serve in that way? I mean, it, it, can you help us maybe come early at six o'clock and just help set up and be an extra hand or maybe you know you come back because I don't want you to come to the 11 service stay in the eight o'clock but maybe come back afterward go to breakfast and then help us tear tear down maybe you can't speak to a large group of people maybe you don't even feel like you could lead a small group 
and just facilitate a discussion, although I know all of you can, but can you just help one other person grow in their faith? We call that discipleship. Where you just sit down with a curriculum and you meet with another person one-on-one and you help them grow in their faith. Some of you are like, you know, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have a six-figure income. But you know what? You get to be home every night with your kids. And that says something, amen? Because the greatest thing you may do is not what you do, but who you reproduce in your kids. You, I, I know that, I really believe that, that believers, true believers have this desire to share their faith with other believers. And you feel, a lot of you feel like, I, I don't know the Bible like you do. I don't know the, all the answers to the questions. I don't know where to start. You know, and I would say, well, if you don't learn how to do that, and we can help you with that. That's what discipleship is all about. But you know where you can start? You can start with what you have. Stop waiting for what you want and start working with what you have. Can you invite someone to church? Amen? Because you know when they come, they're going to hear the word of God. And you know at the end, they're always going to have a chance to respond and accept Christ. Can you put an orchard sticker on your car? Because I can't tell you how many people I've been asking, how did you hear about Orchard Church? I just kept seeing these stickers on everybody's car and thought, I better see what this is all about. We could do that. We can invite someone. You guys, I want to commend you this morning. You're doing what you can do right now by coming to the 8 o'clock service and freeing up seats for the 9, 30, and 11 because that's predominantly where our first time unchurched, unsaved people come. So again, give yourself a hand and celebrate that this morning. Amen? You're making a difference. You're making a difference. So what do you do when you don't have much? You stop waiting for you what you want and you start working, help say at church, with what you have. Because our God can do a lot with a little if we have ridiculous faith. Here's the second principle in this story. Not only are we going to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have, but then you're going to offer God what you have and you're going to trust Him to give you what you need. Let's say that together. Offer God what you have and trust Him to give you what you need. She said, I don't have much, but I do have a little. I'm going to offer that to God and then I'm going to trust Him to give me what I need. And this is where this story gets really cool. Watch this in verse 3. Then he said, Elisha said to the widow, go borrow vessels, more jars from everywhere, from all your neighbors. And not just any kind of vessels, say it church, empty vessels. That's key. Do not gather just a few. Don't just have a little bit of faith. Have ridiculous faith. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it, pour the the little jar of oil that you have, pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Now this was a ridiculous request. So she went from him. She shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out into the vessels. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. Bring me another vessel, an empty one. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And then she came and told the man of God, Elisha. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on the rest. Isn't this an awesome story? When she offered what she had, even though it was a little, God gave her what she needed. And as long as there was an empty vessel... God continued to fill it until there were no more empty vessels. And this seemed like a ridiculous request. I mean, all she had was this little bit of oil to her name. But she offered what she had and then God provided what she needed. She showed her faith and God showed his faithfulness. And this is how God works. We've seen this every week of this study. 
First, you know, we had to burn some plows and do our part. Second week, we had to dig some ditches and do our part. This week, we've got to be some, get some empty vessels. And we've got to offer what we have. And then God in faith will provide what we need. And I've seen this happen over and over and over in our life, in some of your lives. I remember when uh, we were going on one of our mission trips to, to visit our feeding center in Haiti. And this was several years ago. And our daughter, was uh, Missy, was 14 at the time. And she came to us and she said, I really want to go to Haiti. And we thought, well, you just, you know, you just want to go on vacation. And we're like, this is no vacation. I mean, this is a, a difficult mission trip to a third world country. And we wanted to see if she was serious. And I think it was about $1,000 a person to go on this trip. And we said, well, Missy, if you really want to go, then you need to try to earn your way. Because we believe in teaching kids to work and earn their way. Amen? And we weren't just going to pay for it. We weren't just going to give it to her. Now, we were going to help make up the difference if she did her part. And so she started working. She wrote letters to friends and family members. She probably approached some of you guys. She's like, well, I'm the pastor's daughter. They'll help me. You know, she could work that thing a little bit. She, she had a bake sale. Did you know that she not only raised $1,000 by herself in about two weeks' time, she raised about $1,500 in two weeks' time. And God provided not only enough for her to go on the mission trip, but to help other people go on the mission trip because she offered what she had and God provided what she needed. And this is a picture. Can we put it up there? A Missy with uh, the girls in Haiti. Isn't that a cute picture? What a great example of what happens when we step out in faith and we, yeah, we can celebrate that. Let's do. I'm still hot from that dance. <laughs> I hope you guys don't mind that I'm preaching in my, my flip-flops today. I didn't have time to put my shoes on. Is that okay? Is it okay to wear flip-flops to church? All right, cool. Another example of offering God what you have and then God providing what you needed. Again, I, I take you back to our step of faith 10 years ago when, when we came to Denver. And we said, you know, we don't have much, God, but we have obedience. We have willingness. And we moved, moved to Denver. And, and God started providing our needs when we offered what, what we had. And I remember in 2010, we'd saved for five years because we believed that at some point, now it's never been about a building for us here at Orchard Church. God did not bring us to Denver to build a church or build a building. He brought us here to build a church, amen? And we have one. And God has always provided our needs as far as a facility. But we, we, we believe that one day, you know, we may need a permanent facility of our own that we don't have to rent and nobody can kick us out of and all those kind of things. So we started saving. Five years into the church, okay, we're about to celebrate our 10th anniversary. Five years in, in 2010, we had saved a whopping $300,000. Now, that to some of you may seem like a lot. To some of you, that is nothing because we started looking for land and it was running like $100,000 an acre. And we felt like we're going to need at least 10 acres. And we only had $300,000 saved in five years. And then God speaks to me and our leadership team and has this ridiculous request and another step of faith when we're thinking we're never going to have enough money to buy land and build a building. And God said, I want you to offer what you do have for the furtherance of the kingdom. And that is when in 2005, as a church, we started tithing off the tithe. 10% of everything that came into our general fund, we started giving away to missions. To local missions, to start other churches, to worldwide missions. We were able to start three feeding centers. We offered what we had, even when we didn't have enough. And, but we did it, and we trusted God. 
Five years later, that $300,000 and that step of faith, now we're giving away more than ever, 10% every year. That $300,000 in the next five years turned into almost $2 million and we were able to pay cash for the land next door. Is God good or what? Because we stopped waiting for what we wanted and we started working with what we had. We offered God what we had and now God is providing what we need. You know, um, I'm going to say this over and over. You're going to hear this a lot this fall. Some people as, as a church, they have this mentality. If you build it, they will come. Our mentality from day one has been completely opposite. Our mentality has been this. Once they come, then we'll build it. They've come. <laughs> and now God is providing for our, our needs. I love this in verse 3 as we begin to wrap this up. He said, go and get vessels and not just any kind of vessels. He said, go and get what kind of vessels, church? empty vessels. Notice Elisha didn't say, he didn't tell her what color they needed to be. He didn't tell her what shape they needed to be. He didn't tell her what size they needed to be. It could have been a milk jug. It could have been a honey jar. It could have been a coffee can. It could have been a butter tub. He just said make sure they're empty. Empty vessels. Because God can use any shape, any size, any color of vessel. It just needs to be empty. Amen? And God is looking for some empty vessels and not just a few. And listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 about our lives. But we have this treasure, our lives, our bodies, in earthen vessels. Vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. You want to be used by God? You want God to do some ridiculous things in your life and show you ridiculous faith and you step out in ridiculous faith? He's just looking for empty vessels. Any size, any, thank God for the size, that, that doesn't matter. Any size, any shape, any color, just be a willing empty vessel. Is anybody listening to me this morning? Because that's a great place for an amen, 8 o'clock service. Come on. An empty vessel. And we are vessels. And you know what oil is always a picture of in the Bible? The filling of the Holy Spirit. And when we empty ourselves of pride and greed and entitlement and excuses, then God fills us with his Holy Spirit and he does amazing things. Just like we're seeing in this story. You, you guys, I want to commend you again for coming to the 8 a.m. service because some of you had to empty yourselves of some sleep and what you wanted to do and some comfort to come to be here today. Praise God for that. And there are going to be people that come and sit in the 9, 30, 11 and accept Christ because you freed up your seat and you emptied yourself. So some of you, 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 I want to challenge you, encourage you, empty yourself of excuses and sign up for a small group. Not just because we did a fun little dance, but because you need to connect with other believers because God did not intend us to be lone rangers in the Christian life. Amen? So empty yourself of excuses and pride and fears. And get into a small group. That's the way you're going to feel connected here at Orchard Church. I want to share this real quick. Uh, last Sunday night, we do this about every other year. We have a huge banquet for all of our volunteers. For anyone that volunteers on a regular basis in our ministry. Do you know it takes over 350 volunteers every Sunday for, to help us conduct ministry here at Orchard Church. And we had over 300, let's put the picture up here, over 300 volunteers from Orchard Church at our, our biannual volleys last Sunday night. And, and, and as you look at that room, those are not just people. You know what that is a picture of? A room full of empty vessels. People saying, I am willing 
I don't have much, but I'm willing to offer what I have to God as an empty vessel so God can use me and God is using so many of you guys. Every person that accepts Christ, I'm so excited. We've got 23 people, 23 people signed up for baptism after our 11 o'clock service today. 23 people. I think, if I've, if I've done the math right, I think today if we have that 23, we will be over 100 people that have been baptized already at Orchard Church this year. 100 people. And you guys, listen, you have a part in this. All of you who serve in any capacity, because you've given God a little and God has done much with it. We just have to empty of ourselves and God will fill us and make us usable. And I love what he says, don't just gather a few. God is looking for many empty vessels. And when you don't have what you really want, God is what we really need. Psalm 8110, the psalmist says it this way. I love this verse. He says, I am the Lord your God. Open your mouth wide and I will say it, church. I'll fill it. So many people are looking for satisfaction, fulfillment. They're looking, but they're looking in the wrong vessels. God says, look to me. Open your mouth. Open your life. I will fill it. Because when you don't have what you want, God is what we really need. Christ is enough. When we are weak, he is strong. When we're in darkness, he is the light. When we are hungry, he's the bread of life that feeds us. When we're thirsty, he is living water. When we're hurting, he is our God of all comfort. When we are forsaken, he never leaves us or forsakes us. When we are lost, he is our way. When we're unstable, he is our rock. Can somebody get excited about that this morning? Listen, Orchard Church, we've just got to stop waiting for what we want and start working with what we have and then offering God what we have and he will provide what we need. And when we show our ridiculous faith, our gracious, amazing God will show his ridiculous faithfulness every time. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that this would speak to some hearts today, especially those that might be hurting, to take a step of faith. And when we are in those times when we don't have what we really want, that we will realize that you are what we really need. As we just continue an attitude of prayer right now for just a moment, if you're here today and you would say, you know what, I needed this message today. It was as if God crafted these words for me. I right now feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed. I feel a little empty and helpless. And I need God's ridiculous provision. I need God to be my comfort right now. Can I pray for you? With heads bowed and eyes closed, would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? I have a need. I have a need. Thank you. Father, I pray for all those that have a need, that are overwhelmed. I pray that you would show ridiculous provision for them as they step out of faith, just like the widow in this story, that they'd offer what we have, that you would provide what they need in a ridiculous way. Meet their need. Be the God of all comfort and encouragement to them and strength today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many of you would say, and I hope this will speak to many of you, I want to be used by God as an empty vessel. I have a little, but, and I'm willing to offer that because I want God to use me. And I'm going to stop waiting for what I want, and I'm going to start working with what I have, and I'm going to offer God what I have, and I'm going to trust Him that He's going to meet my needs and use me. If that's your desire, would you slip up your hand all across the auditorium? God bless you. Thank you. Hands everywhere. Father, I pray that we would truly have the desire to be empty vessels, that we'd empty ourselves of self and pride and excuses and that we would offer you what we have and that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and we, you would use all of us as you are that you would continue to do in miraculous ways with heads bowed and eyes closed we continue in our pursuit of prayer I just want to talk to one other group of people or maybe it's just one person and you need to hear this this morning there's a metaphor in this story 
that God tucked in here for you. And here it is. This widow had a debt that she could not pay. She was incapable of paying until she stepped out in faith. You know what the Bible tells us? That we all had a sin debt that we could not pay. We were incapable of humanly paying it. But when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who knew no sin and became sin for us, and we step out in ridiculous faith and accept that forgiveness and payment for our sins, He forgives us of our sin debt, and He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And He gives us a home in heaven and eternal life. And I know many of you can remember the day that Jesus Christ paid your debt in full as you put your faith and trust in Him. And I would just encourage you Christians to think about that truth right now and thank Him. When was the last time you just said, thank you, Jesus, for saving me? Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for paying my debt I couldn't pay. But maybe there's someone here this morning you've never had your debt paid. I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, forgiven, have their sin debt paid. The way we call on the Lord is through prayer. And I want to lead some of you in a prayer. It's not a magic prayer. These aren't magic words. But if you put faith behind it, you can invite Jesus into your life today as Lord and Savior. Your sins can be removed, past, present, and future. And you can begin a new journey, a new life with Jesus today. You can walk out of here free. If that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me? Now listen, it's got to come from your heart in faith. But I'll help you with the words. It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today. I want you to pay my sin debt. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to know you. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your grace, and your mercy. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your family. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer of faith, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'd love the privilege to just praise God and, and pray for you. And I'd love that honor. No one looking around but myself for just a moment. Would you just slip up your hand if you say, yes, I pray that. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. Put them up nice and high just so I can see them real quick so I can know who to pray for. I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. God bless you. Three or four people here in the 8 o'clock service. Amen. Anybody else? Just put it up so I can see it. Put it down. God bless you. Thank you. Father, I just thank you for those putting their faith and trust in you in this 8 o'clock service. Thank you for everyone who is here this morning, freeing up seats for those that are going to accept you in the 9.30 and the 11. Lord, I pray that, that those who put their faith and trust in you today, that, that they would just begin a journey today and a walk with you that would be life-changing. And that we as a church would come alongside of them, encourage them, help them, disciple them as they grow in their walk with you. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you that when we don't have what we really want, we realize that you are what we really need, that Christ truly is enough. And we praise you for already giving us such an amazing day here at Orchard Church. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate. Amen.
If you made a decision for Christ and you raised your hand and said, I accepted Christ, please let us know about that on your connection card. Just check that box so we can continue to pray for you, send you a little information in the mail. If you're a first-time guest, met several first-time guests at the 8 o'clock service today. Thanks for being our guest. Um, Hopefully, you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop it in the offering bucket when it goes by. We're not interested in your money today, guests, but we're definitely interested in getting to know you. So let us know who you are. We'll send you a thank you note and a gift in the mail. Man, I think we're off to a great start. This, this weekend here at Orchard Church. Amen. We have a lot to praise and worship God for. So let's stand as we close in response of worship through song, worship through our giving. God bless you guys.